Welcome to Top 100 Fairy Tales, your pets, your kids, and you should listen to The Beetle by Hans Christian Andersen, written by Noprosta. The emperor's favorite horse was shot with gold. It had a golden shoe on each of its feet. And why was this? He was a beautiful creature with delicate legs, bright intelligent eyes, and a mane that hung down over his neck like a wheel. He had carried his master through the fire and smoke of battle, and heard the bullets whistling around him, had kicked, bitten, and taken part in the fight when the enemy advanced, and had sprung with his master on his back over the fallen foe, and had saved the crown of red gold and the life of the emperor, which was more valuable than the red gold, and that is why the emperor's horse has golden shoes. And a beetle came creeping forth. First the great ones, said he, and then the little ones. But greatness is not the only thing that does it. And so saying, he stretched out his thin legs. And pray, what do you want? asked the smith. Golden shoes, to be sure, replied the beetle. Why, you must be out of your senses, cried the smith. Do you want to have golden shoes too? Golden shoes? Certainly, replied the beetle. I am not just as good as the big creature yonder that is waited on and brushed and has meat and drink before, before him. Don't I belong to the imperial stable? But why is the horse to have golden shoes? Don't you understand that? asked the smith. Understand? I understand that is a personal slight offered to myself, cried the beetle. It's done to annoy me, and therefore I am going to the world to seek my fortune. Go along, said the smith. You are a rude fellow, cried the beetle, and then he went out of the stable, flew a little way, and soon afterwards found himself in a beautiful flower garden, all fragrant with the rose and lavender. Is it not beautiful here? asked one of the little ladybirds that flew about, with their delicate wings and their red and black shields on their backs. How sweet it is here! How beautiful it is! I am accustomed to better things, said the beetle. Do you call this beautiful? Why, there is no so much as a down heap. Then he went on under the shadows of a great stack and found a scatter pillar crawling along. How beautiful the world is, said the caterpillar. The sun is so warm and everything is so enjoyable. And when I go to sleep and die, as they call it, I shall wake up as a butterfly with beautiful wings to fly with. How conceited you are, exclaimed the stag beetle. Fly about as a butterfly indeed. I've come out of the stable of the emperor, and no one there, not even the emperor's favorite horse, that by the way wears my cast of golden shoes, has any such idea. To have wings to fly, why, we can't fly now. And he spread his wings and flew away. I don't want to be annoyed, and yet I am annoyed, he said as he flew off. Soon afterwards, he fell down upon a great lawn. For a while, he lay there in fine slumber. At last, he fell asleep in earnest. Suddenly, a heavy shower of rain came falling from the clouds. The beetle woke up at the noise and wanted to escape into the earth, but could not. He was tumbled over and over. Sometimes he was swimming on his stomach, sometimes on his back, and as a flying that was out of the question, 
he doubted whether he should escape from the place with his life. He therefore remained lying where he was. When the weather had moderated a little, and the beetle had rubbed with the water of his eyes, he saw something gleaming. It was liner that had been placed in there to bleach. He managed to make his way up to it, and crept into a fold of the damp lining. Certainly, the place was not so comfortable to lie in as the warm stable, but there was no better to be had, and therefore he remained lying for the, for there for a whole day and a whole night, and the rain kept on during all the time. Towards morning he crept forth. He was very much out of temper about the climate. On the line and two frogs were sitting. Their bright eyes absolutely gleamed with pleasure. Wonderful weather it is, one of them cried. How refreshing! And the lining keeps the water together so beautiful. My hind legs seem to quiver as if we are going to swim. I should like to know, said the second. If the swallow, who flies so far round, in her many journeys in foreign lands ever meets with a better climate than this, what delicious dampness! It's really as if one were lying in a wet ditch. However, does not rejoice in this, certainly does not love his fatherland. Have you been in the emperor's table? asked the beetle. There is a dampness in warm and refreshing. That the climate for me, but I cannot take it with me on my journey. Is that there never a muck heap here at the garden where a person of rank like myself can feel himself at home and take up his quarters? But the frogs either did not or would not understand him. I never ask a question twice, said the beetle, after he had already asked this one of three times without receiving any answer. Then he went a little farther and stumbled against a fragment of pottery that certainly ought not to have been lying there, but as it was one there, it gave a good shelter against wind and weather. Here dwelt several families of Irwigs, and these did not require much, only sociality. The female members of the community were full of the purest maternal affection, and a colonage of one considered her own child the most beautiful and cleverest of all. Our son has engaged himself, said one mother. Dear innocent boy, his greatest hope is that he may creep one day into Glorvin's ear. It's very artless and lovable that in being engaged will keep him steady. What joy for a mother! Our son, said another mother, had scarcely crept out of the egg when he was already off on his travels. He's all life and spirits. He'll run his borns off. What joy that is for a mother. It's not so, Mr. Beetle, for she knew the stranger by his horny coat. You are both quite right, said he. So they begged him to walk in. That is to say, to come as far as he could on the bit of pottery. Now, you also see my little Eric, observed the third mother, and fourth, they are lovely little things, and highly amusing. They are never ill-behaved, except when they are uncomfortable in the inside bot. Unfortunately, one is very subject to that at their age. Thus, each mother spoke of her baby, and the babies talked among themselves, 
and made use of the little nippers they have in their tails to nip the bird or the beetle. Yes, they are always busy about something, the little roaches said, the mothers, and they quite beamed with maternal pride. But the beetle felt bored by that, and therefore he incurred how far it was so the nearest mockheap. That is quite out in the big world, one the other side of the ditch, answered the airwick. I hope no of my children will go so far, for it would be death of me. But I shall try to get so far, said the beetle, and he went off without taking formal leave, for that is considered the polite thing to do. And by the ditch he met several friends, beetles, all of them. Here we live, they said. We are very comfortable here. Might we ask you to step down to this rich mud? You must be fatigued after your journey. Certainly, replied the beetle. I have been exposed to the rain and have had to lie up on linen, and cleanliness is the thing that greatly exhausts me. I have also pains in one of my wings from standing in a draught under a fragment of pottery. It's really quite refreshing to be among one's companions once more. Perhaps you come from some mock hip, observed the oldest of them. Indeed, I come from a much higher place, replied the beetle. I came from the Emperor's table, where I was born with golden shoes on my feet. I am traveling on a secret embassy. You must not ask me any questions, for I cannot betray my secret. With this beetle stepped down into the rich mud. There sat three young maiden beetles, and they tittered because they did not know what to say. Not one of them is engaged yet, said their mother, and the beetle maidens tittered again, this time from embarrassment. I have never seen greater beauties in the royal stables, exclaimed the beetle, who was now resting himself. Do not spoil my girls, said the mother, and do not talk to them, please, unless you have serious intentions. But, of course, your intentions are serious, and therefore I give you my blessing. Hooray! cried all the other beetles together. And our friend was engaged. Immediately after the betrothal came the marriage, for there was no reason for delay. The following day passed very pleasantly, and the next intolerable comfort. But on the third it was time to think of food for the five, and perhaps also for children. I have allowed myself to be taken in, said our beetle to himself, and now there is nothing for it but to take them in turn. So said, so done. Away he went, and he stayed away all day, and stayed away all night, and his wife sat there, a forsaken widow. Oh, said the other beetles, this fellow, whom we perceived into our family, is nothing more than a thorough vagabond. He has gone away and has left his wife a burden upon our hands. Well, then she shall be unmarried again, and sit here among my daughters, said the mother. Fie on the villain who forsook her. In the meantime, the beetle had been journeying on, and had sailed across the ditch of a cabbage leaf. In the morning, two persons came to the ditch. When they saw him, they took him up and turned him over and over, and looked very learned, especially one of them, a boy. Allah, see the black beetle at the black stone and the black rock. Is not that written in the Koran? Then he translated the beetle's name into Latin, and enlarged upon the creature's nature and history. 
The second person, an old scholar, vote for carrying him home. He said they wanted just such good specimens, and this seemed an uncivil speech to our beetle, and in consequence he flew suddenly out of the speaker's hand. As he had now dry wings, he flew a terrible distance and reached the hotbed, where a sash of the glass roof was partly open, so he quietly slipped in and buried himself in the warm earth. Very comfortable it is here, said he. Soon after, he went to sleep and dreamed that Imperius' favorite horse had fallen and had given him his golden shoes with a promise that he should have two more. That was all very charming. When the beetle woke up, he crept forth and looked around him. What splendor was in the hothouse! In the background, great palm trees growing up on high, the sun made them look transparent, and beneath them what a luxuriance of green, of beaming flowers, red as fire, yellow as a zember, or white as fresh fallen snow. This is incomparable plenty of plants, cried the beetle. How good they will taste when they are deceived! A capital storeroom this. There must certainly be relations of mine living here. I will just see if I can find any of with whom I may associate. I am proud, certainly, and I am proud of being so. And so he prowled about in the earth and thought what a pleasant dream was that was about dying horse and the golden shoes he had inherited. Suddenly a hand seized the beetle and pressed him and turned him round and round. The gardener's little son and a companion had come to the hotbed, had espied the beetle and wanted to have their fun with him. First he was wrapped in a vine leaf and then put into a warm treasure's pocket. He cribbled and crabbled about there with all his might. But he got a good present from the boy's hand for this, which served as a hand to him to keep quiet. Then the boy went rapidly toward the great lake that lay at the end of the garden. Here the beetle was put in an old broken wooden shoe, on which a little stick was placed upright for a mast, and to this mast there the beetle was bound with a woolen thread. Now he was a sailor and had to sail away. The lake was not very large, but for the beetle it seemed an ocean, and he was so astonished at its extent that he fell over on his back and kicked out with his legs. The little ship sailed away, the current of the water seized it, but whenever it went too far from the shore, one of the boys turned up his trousers and went in after it, and brought it back to the land. But at length, just as it went merrily out again, the two boys were called away, and very harshly, so that they hurried to obey the salmons, ran away from the lake, and left the little ship to its fate. Thus it drove away from the shore, farther and farther into the open sea. It was terrible work for the beetle, for he could not get away in consequence of being bound to the mast. Then a fly came and paid him a visit. What a beautiful weather, said the fly. I'll rest here and sun myself. You have an agreeable time of it. You speak without knowing the facts, replied the beetle. Don't you see that I'm a prisoner? Ah, but I'm not a prisoner, observed the fly, and he flew away accordingly. Well, now I know the world, said the beetle to himself, 
It's an abominable world. I'm the only honest person in it. First, they refuse me my golden shoes. Then I have to lie on wet linen and to stand in a drought. And to crown all, they fasten a wife upon me. Then when I've taken a quick step out into the world and found out how we can have it there and how I wish to have it, one of those human boys come and ties me up and leaves me to the mercy of the wild waves while the emperor's favorite horse prances about prowling golden shoes. That is what annoys me more than all. But one must not look far for sympathy in this world. My career has been very interesting. But what's the use of that if nobody knows it? The world does not deserve to be made acquainted with my history, for it ought to have given me golden shoes when the emperor's horse was shot and I stretched out my feet to be shot too. If I had received golden shoes, I should have become an ornament to the stable. Now the stable has lost me and the world has lost me. It's all over. But all was not over yet. A boat in which there were a few young girls came rowing up. Look, yonder is an old wooden shoe sailing the lot, said one of the girls. There is a little creature bound fast to it, said another. The boat came quite close to our beetle ship, and the young girls fished him out of the water. One of them drew a small pair of scissors from her pocket and cut the woolen thread without hurting the beetle. And when she stepped on shore, she put him down on the grass. Creep, creep, fly, fly, if thou canst, she said. Liberty is a splendid thing. And the beetle flew up and straight through the open window of a great building. There he sank down, tired and exhausted, exactly on the mane of the emperor's favorite horse, who stood in the stable when he was at home and the beetle also. The beetle clung fast to the mane and sat there a short time to recover himself. Here... I am sitting on the emperor's favorite horse, sitting on him just like the emperor himself, he cried. But what was I seeing? Yes, I now I remember. That's a good thought and quite correct. The smith asked me why the golden shoes were given to the horse. Now I'm quite clear about the answer. They were given to the horse on my account. And now the beetle was in a good temper again. Traveler, expand the mind rarely, said he. The sun's rays came streaming to the stable and shone upon him and made the place lively and bright. The world is not so bad, up on the whole, said the beetle, but one must know how to take the things as they come. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the story, share it with your friends and family. If you learned something, Share it in the comments. Please leave a like and add us to your favorite channel. Thank you again. See you soon.